God, we just love on you. We adore you. We appreciate you, Father God, and we welcome your presence in this place on tonight, God. We thank you that our hearts are open and receptive to receive your word on tonight. And we bind every hindering spirit in this place in the name of Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, be our helper, be our teacher. Lead us and guide us into all truth. And Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to continue the teaching on church discipline. How many is learning so far how important important it is to have church discipline since we have been doing this teaching and going back through the teaching and just um enjoying the word of god it's um a lot to take in but when we know about church discipline and know the order of the church and the way that god want things then we wouldn't have to do some of the things that we do in the body of christ because we will have the word of God to give us correction, um, being that we are saints, being that we are Christians, being that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we won't have no confusion because we know God ain't about confusion. He's about peace. So tonight what I want to do, I went over some um, discipline in the New Testament, but um, I'm going to go back over that because um, I want to break it down a little bit more. I gave you Um, some scriptures on some of these things that um, Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 5, 11, and they just stuck out. They were standing out to me even the more. So I said, we need to go back through these. In 1 Corinthians 5, 11, it is saying, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous, an idolater, a railer, a drunken, or an extortioner, with such as one know not to eat. So when Paul began to talk about these things um, to the Corinthians, we know that what was written for them is also written for us. So I'm going to go back through. I think I don't went over fornication enough. If anybody hasn't gotten that, you don't want it. Amen. <laughs> so I think I don't drill that enough. So, but I want to go back over coveted covetousness and the reason why I want to go back over that is because we need to recognize this in the body of Christ because these are things that now that we are born again these should not even be named amongst us this should not even be going on in the body of Christ and sometimes we do not realize that these things are going on because um, they're not talked about that much they're not um, taught on that much for people to understand Um, why this don't need to be in the body of Christ. First and foremost, when you left the world, you left doing the things that the world is doing. We know we're in the world, but we don't do like the world does. So when people see us and see that we belong to um, God, belong to Jesus Christ, they shouldn't see none of these things going on with us because we should be a light unto the world. So when we let's look at the covet, covetness. A covetness is a desire to have more. It's greed. And these things are in the body of Christ. We got Christians that always want more. They're never satisfied. You got to have more of this or more of that. And sometimes we think we're satisfied until somebody pull up with something else, wear something else. Hair is done different. Nails is done different. So that could be a form of covetousness. 
And sometimes we don't recognize it, but when you have a desire to have more, it goes into greed. It's like it's never enough. And that's what the enemy wants us to be like in the body of Christ. Now, when we go back to Acts, um, the fifth chapter, I talked about Ananias and Sapphira. But God backed me up a little bit um, to go back over this again tonight because um, after um, Peter had began to preach his uh, initial sermon and people were saved, um, they began to have all things in common. And the reason why they had all things in common is because they were taught by the apostles. They were um, taught as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ. So when we look in Acts um, chapter 4, verse 32, it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. I'm going to read that again. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Now, why would they say that the things that they had was not their own? Because they were being taught as disciples. They were being taught as learners of Jesus Christ. They were taught that you brought nothing into this world and you can take nothing out of this world. They were taught that God owns everything. And God does have us as stewards over what he owns. So when you're taught that way, with whatever you have in your hand, you don't look at it as your own. Even though it was given unto you, you should be saying, Father, what would you have me to do with what, the, what I have in my hand? Even though it's mine, I'm coming to you to see what you want me to do with what I have. And the reason why you do that is because you're recognizing that everything belonged to God. God has just placed it in your hand to be a steward of what he have given you. Then it goes on to say, but they had all things common. Common mean shared by all. So when you recognize that it does not belong to you, it belonged to God, then you're willing to share it with whomever God wants you to share it with. But now in the body of Christ, if we get a little extra, or if we feel like all our bills are paid and somebody laid money in our hand or put something in our hand, we say, oh, this is me. All of this is for me. We have to take the time to say, Lord, what would you have me to do with what I have? And we have to follow his instructions with what he would have us to do. Because first of all, it belongs to him. And we have to look to him first. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all of these things shall be added unto you. So after they did that, it goes on to say, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And it said, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land, houses, sold them and bought the prices of the things that were sold. And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So we see they owned these things. They had possession of these things. And what they did, they gave it to the apostles, and they said, we're going to be on one accord. Whomever is in need, then this is, you know, where the money or where things need to go. We want to fulfill those needs. But there was 
chapter 5. This is why we get into Ananias and Sapphira. It said, but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. That means they sold property, land, or an estate, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. That means she knew about it and bought certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what they were doing was they were supposed to be on one accord, and whatever they sold, they were going to bring all of it to the apostles. But when they got to um, Peter and them to put it at their feet, they had kept back part of it. They gave some. They didn't give all. So this is how covetous come in. When you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, it is sin. So see, this is sometimes what we do in the body of Christ. If God is telling you to give all, he mean give all. He don't mean to say, I'm going to give this part, but I'm going to keep the rest. And it's like I haven't given anything. When you go into that mode, you are going into covetousness because you're not honoring God with what you have first and foremost. This is what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They, were, um, they went into greed. They went into wanting more. So when you go into wanting more, now some people say it's not a bad thing to want more. No, it's not a bad thing. But the problem with that is if you always trying to get more and you're never content with what you have, that is covetousness and that is a sin. And God don't want this in the body of Christ because it leads to other things. So this is what was going on with Ananias and Sapphira. Y'all know what happened. Satan had filled their hearts to lie unto the Holy Ghost. Ananias, he died. Then his wife came in, Sapphira, she died because both of them knew what they were doing. They were taught. They were disciples. They were followers of Jesus Christ. So when we look at covenants, it's a desire to have more. It's greed. Then in another verse, we look at Acts 8, and y'all know Simon the sorcerer. And you know how he um, had the people believing that he was some great God, but when the word of God come, came in and, you know, he, he supposedly had uh, accepted Jesus, but we know what happened. He was full of greed. He was full of wanting more. He wanted to buy the Holy Ghost for gain. And this is what the Lord is talking about when it comes to covetousness. Understand that nothing belonged to us. And whatever God wants us to do with it, that's what we do. Because when all of us leave this world, everything that we have is going to be left right here. And somebody else is going to end up with what you have. Isn't it something some people work so hard, two, three, four jobs to have all this nice stuff, not getting rest. And when they leave, somebody else have your stuff. This is why when you look at covetousness, some people take out insurance policies on people not to make sure things are covered. They make sure they're covered. That's covetousness. That is greed. Some people don't tell their parents, now, you know, we want to make sure everything is taken care. We don't want nothing to go on if you leave. So, And then they get upset about who's going to be the executor, who's going to have this, and who's, I'm, I'm going to go there too. See, that's covetousness. And if the body of Christ don't recognize covetousness, it turns into greed. You always finding a way to get more. You always finding a way to have more, to do things based on you and not on God to bring him glory. Let's look at another scripture in the word of God that deals with this. Go with me to Luke, the 12th chapter. 
verses 13 through 21. And in the book of Luke, it's talking about, in verse, starting at 13, 12, 13. And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in abundance of the things which he possesses. So Jesus was letting them know, see, you're looking at your life by what you have. He said, that's not what your life consists of. And I believe in, in today, in society, some of us look at our lives based on what we have. We look at our lives on, if I don't have what this one have, I don't have enough. Or I'll put it this way, this was dealing with, I guess, a will an inheritance, and they were fussing over this inheritance. That's what siblings do, right? When a mother and father die, they want to make sure that they get something or they get more than somebody else. But Jesus began to let them know, beware of covetousness, because when people do die, our attitudes change, at least some of us. We try to worry about what they had, how much is going to be left, and then we try to look at, okay, let's see how much we can bury them for where to look good, but I still have money in my pocket. I'm just going to tell you nothing but the truth. Because when it comes to money, people go into greed. They go into covenants. And, and to be honest, it's so sad. Even with the churches, it has gotten to the point that some preachers don't care about the flock. They care about their own self, and they want to make sure that people are keeping jobs. They want to make sure that people are doing what they need to do. If you see a church that's only preaching on money, beware, because if that's the only thing they can tell you about is prosperity all the time, they need to be telling you about the total package. It ain't all about money. It's about everything that he's already done for us. So if you see somebody always talking money, 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 this is how we'll make money, coming from the pulpit on down, you need to run. Because what they're doing, they're looking out for their own well-being. They're not looking out for the state of the flock. Because if you teach the people of God the way the word of God tells you to teach them, they're going to know what they should do. You don't have to force nobody. You don't have to... You don't even have to hype nobody up. If you have to keep hyping somebody up to give something, leave them alone. Because their heart ain't right. But the more they get into the word of God and know what the word of God says, you're not going to have a problem with giving. Because we just saw in the book of Acts, when they started um, serving the kingdom, they got rid of the things that they own and they put it at the apostles' feet. Because they were taught and God already knew where their heart was. But if your heart, if you're having some um, backlash when it comes to helping people or when it comes to giving and it's hurting you to give, you need to check yourself and say, God, why is it hurting so much for me to give? I should not give out of obligation. I should not give out of necessity. God, I should be given with a cheerful heart because I already know what you've done for me. So covetousness will sneak up on you when you're afraid to let go of what you have because you're afraid you're not going to have more. Or you feel like I've been working too hard to keep giving my money out like this, but you're still trying to get more because it's never enough. So they were fussing over this inheritance, and Jesus said, beware of covetousness. So he's teaching you and Clem 
to beware of covetousness. Just because you see somebody else with it, that don't mean you got to have it. See, this is why he said we should not even be hanging out, I'm paraphrasing it, with a brother or sister in Christ that's always greedy for gain. What do I mean? Enough ain't never, I mean, you never have enough. You got to always go get what somebody else have. Covetousness can be very sneaky. Sometimes we always say what we feel like we need, but we actually can get by without it. Have you ever um, seen somebody in need and there was something that you wanted to buy, but there was a need over here for that person? Are you going to let that need go by or are you going to get what you don't need? Some of us get what we don't need and then we look for somebody else to supply that need. That's sad, isn't it? Because we should love one another enough to say, God, I don't actually need that. They need this more than I need that. Let them have that. So don't get into covetousness where you're only thinking about your own selves. You have to think about the needs of others. And if you stay in contact, in tune, connected to God, you don't have to worry about who should I give to or who should I not give to. And a matter of fact, you got people out here that's tricksters, tricksters actually, because some people act like they ain't got nothing just to get what you got. They wait on you to give them. They want you to feel sorry for them because they want to keep their little savings and they don't have to touch that, but they'll take from you. That's why you have to hear what the spirit of the Lord have to say. Everybody that's always out there saying, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. You can't give to them. So you have to be so careful. So then Jesus went on to do a parable and he broke it down the more in Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man bought forth plentiful. That means he bought forth abundantly. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. And is not rich towards God. So this man, his ground brought forth plentiful. So he's sitting there saying, okay, what do I do with this plentiful that I have? Instead of saying, Lord, how can I be helpful to somebody else? He said, mm, I'll tear down this barn, build a bigger barn, and then I can take ease. I can take rest. We see a lot of people doing that. They have more, and instead of helping somebody else, they're still looking at how to get even more. That is covetousness. You got to look outside of you, and you got to see somebody else in need sometime. You got that. That's why you go to your father first and say, I wouldn't have what I have if it wasn't because of you. So the little I do have, show me what to do with what I have. You're not going into covetousness because it's all about God. So he let him know that he was selfish. But that last verse is wrapping it up in 21 when he says, So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. That means in the spirit. That means that you have to know that God owned everything. 
And when we're rich in him, we have everything we need because we're in him. So we shouldn't be trying to acquire more. That's why God said, give us each day our daily bread. We live from day to day. We don't sit home and haven't gotten out of this day and trying to think of how I make more money for the rest of the week. We don't do that. We thank God for the day that we're in. And then when we get more coming in, what we do is saying, God, I give this to you. What would you have for me to do with what I have? This is my way of thinking. If God blessed me with 10 cars and I can only drive one, why am I lining cars up in my yard and there's somebody that needs those cars? That's selfishness. That's greed. That's covetousness and still trying to find out how to get more. People go into that in the body of Christ because to be honest with you, you got ministers out there talking about their jets. You got ministers out there talking about, you know, they got different places that they can go and rest their head. And they got all these vehicles. They're showing all the riches that these ministers have. But I look at it like this. If you're not helping no one else but yourself and showing all that you have, that is greed. That is covetousness. You cannot drive five cars at one time. Have you asked somebody that don't have a car? Or have you said, God, I got all these cars you have blessed me with. Who is it that I can give a car to? Because they're walking. I'm not. That's how covetousness catch you when you start bragging on what you have. It is not yours. When you leave this world, every car is going to be sitting there. So we can't get into covetousness. We have to search ourselves and say, God, am I walking in greed? Am I walking in covetousness? Or we may say, I done gave this. I ain't giving no more. Who are you to say what you're not going to do? See, that ain't no relationship with God. So we have to be careful. And if you hang around people that's always bragging and always talking about what they have and always trying to get what somebody else have, that is covetousness. Because if you have something that's working properly, you shouldn't have to go and get nothing because this person got it and tried to think of what you need it for. That's greed. So we have to be careful at all times when it comes to these things in the body of Christ. And this is why they say we should not keep company either with a brother or sister that's in covetousness. Why? Because you would end up the same way that they are, and it will run through the body of Christ. And God don't want that in the body of Christ because he's, um, he's not in greed. That is not God. So when you see this in the body of Christ, you have to pull your brother or sister aside and say, I need to talk to you for a moment. Because sometimes people don't see that. People just see, well, I work for it, and if I have the extra money, I'm going to get it. That's my money. That's the wrong attitude. You wouldn't even be able to work if it wasn't for God. So we have to ask ourselves, Lord, am I in covetousness in any kind of shape or form in my life? Lord, am I trying to build up something for me and not looking at the needs of others? Y'all, when you go into this word and you begin to study this word, And see what God is saying. If you don't check yourself, something is wrong. The only thing I could do today when I was um, studying the scriptures, I said, Lord, check me. If I'm in any kind of form in greed or in covetousness or still trying to get things that you don't want me to get at this time, Lord, I repent. Check me. Help me to see me 
because the word will allow you to search yourself. The word will allow you to look at yourself before you look at anybody else because we got some manipulators out here bringing these sad stories just to get more and already have. Let's look at the storm. We had people that didn't hardly lose anything and they in lines. That's covetous. They want more. They, they were in lines trying to get food, trying to get everything else. And you got people that lost houses, lost cars, didn't have clothes. But you got people in the line, Christian folks, waiting to get something. Now, there's a difference if you didn't have it. But if you have it, you shouldn't be in the line trying to take from those that don't have it. I remember I was telling somebody, um, churches was just opening up saying, we'll be these sinners and everybody can come in and get this stuff. I said, you know what, Lord? I said, uh-uh. I said, I'm not trying to run to get nothing just to say Miracle Temple done something. Because God, you know my heart. And I believe I had a witness. Sister Nice was here. The um, Salvation Army truck just pulled right up right up to the block, opened the doors, and said, we need to drop this off. And they dropped off tons of stuff. Why? Because God know your heart. He know that you're not trying to store it up for yourself. He know your heart is to help somebody else. But some people do things out of greed just to say, our church got all of this over here, and you see over there, they ain't offering you nothing. We're thinking about you. No, you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about looking good. So know what covetousness is and know what greed is and ask God to search you to say, God, have I got in covetousness? Am I looking at only myself? Do I see the needs of others? Am I just doing stuff for people to say I done it or am I doing it from my heart? Am I holding on to stuff because I'm afraid, God, that nobody else is going to help me or nobody's going to give me anything? That's another teaching. So we got to know where covetousness is. And if it's in the church, we got to get it out of the church because that's not about God. So another scripture dealing with covetousness. In Ephesians 5, 5. Let's go to Ephesians 5, 5. I know it's a lot of scriptures. But I believe it's going to help um, each and every one of us in the body of Christ. Ephesians 5, 5. And it says, for this ye know that no homongers, nor unclean person, nor covetous man. Now look how he's identifying this. Who is an idolater? Covetousness and idolatry go together. That's why he's saying if you go into covetousness in the body of Christ, it's going to be idolatry in the body of Christ. He said, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Do you think that the word would say that if it was nothing wrong with that? No. He said these type people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God because that's not a part of God's kingdom. So if you're walking in covetousness, you already stepped into idolatry. That's what the enemy know. If you greedy for gain and you always looking for something all the time, you working hard to get to a certain point. Some people work hard just to get what their brother have. They don't want their brother to outdo them. If somebody get a new car in the yard, the next thing they're thinking about is, how can I get me another car? You already got two. But just because a car got 
in the yard next to you, the enemy used that car for you to go into greed. Have y'all noticed that? Nobody never thought about no phones. Come on now. Y'all remember them little razor phones that was out and those things, everybody wanted the razor phone. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's been so long ago. Pretty little phones. <laughs> they were pretty and everybody wanted that type of phone. But your phone was fine until that phone come out. It was doing the job. But then everybody else had it, so you, you wanted that too. Y'all, the Lord is helping us. Thank you, Jesus. Then when another phone come out, that one ain't good enough. I got to go get me another one. Another one come out, that one ain't good enough. I got to go get me another one. It keep coming. And some, hold it right there. I got to correct something. Some people say, I still got my old phone, not because you, don't, um, you choose to. That's just tell the truth. Some of us keep our phones because we can't afford to get the other phone. But if somebody gave you that phone free, you would take it to be up to date. I'm, I'm going to bring it on because some people say, I don't, I'm not in greed. I'm not in covenant. No, you, you're speaking those things that be not as though they were. Lord, let somebody send me an iPhone 10 so I don't have to pay for it and it's a blessing to me. That's still covetousness because you after something that somebody else have. I have to break it down, y'all, because the enemy is slick. He will have you thinking it's okay when it's not okay. This, these are the tactics of the enemy. The enemy, he have people bringing stuff out, just waiting for us to get in some more debt. Tell the truth, shame the devil. And then when you get the phone, they tell you one thing, and then you're stuck with the phone and can't get out of the contract. Y'all know what to do. Then they don't want you to pay it off. If you say, I'm going to pay that off. Well, if you're going to pay it off, you got to pay it off now. Because if you don't pay it off now, you got to keep it for two years. The enemy know what he's doing. Then they'll wait till you pay a little on it, and then they say, oh, you got it 50% 50 paid for. Now you can get this new phone. And we think we're doing something. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. No, it's, it's covetousness. It's greed. We want more. Greed want more. You're never satisfied with what you have. Come on. Everything wear off after a month. A car wear off. A pocketbook wear off. Clothes wear off. Hairdos wear off. Fingernails wear off. Weave wear off. Get kind of slack and loose. You got to tighten it. Everything wear off, don't it, y'all? You don't feel the same about it no more. You want to go get something new. How, how y'all feel when you get something new? It's a feeling, ain't it? Because it's new. Then after the newness is gone, it's just something in your closet. That's covetousness. And the enemy don't want you to know that. Come on. He don't. Because you lay that aside and you pick up another one. Truth. As Willie say, true that. That ain't nothing but the truth. We keep laying it aside because that, that don't do me due diligence no more. Let me hop on these men with these uh, lawnmowers and these weed eaters and all this kind of stuff that make a loud noise. Zoom, zoom. It ain't right no more. Then. You, you got to keep up with the latest. Is it still running? Can it still cut? I'm going to use my husband for example. Bless his little heart. My husband, when he started out in the lawnmower business, he was determined that he was J&J, lawnmower service. So my husband started out, y'all, and he had this old lawnmower. 
but he was driving the lawnmower. He was doing good with the lawnmower. The lawnmower would cut, cut off and do all kind of stuff, but he was faithful with that lawnmower. So then my husband said, somebody gave him another lawnmower too, so he had two of them. So my husband had two lawnmowers. He was faithful over those lawnmowers, and he was telling me, he saw the Kubota. He needed a Kubota. I said, it ain't time for no Kubota. Just be faithful over what you have. Keep driving what you have. So I believe he ended up with three of them lawnmowers. He was on one. Zach was on one. Jeremy was on the other. He taking them places. They tearing up his lawnmowers. He had to use the money he cut the yards with to fix the lawnmowers. So on their way home, Jeremy said, Daddy, me and Zach, we're hungry. My husband stopped the truck. He hit, the, he hit the dash. I told you I ain't have no money. I had to fix these lawnmowers y'all tore up. But he kept on. He kept on. He kept on with those three lawnmowers. So it got to the point, me and my husband was in agreement. Every time he went by the place with the Kubota, I said, speak it. Speak that Kubota into existence. Speak that that Kubota belonged to you. So both us in existence, speaking it into existence. So one day we had to act. He told me, he said, well, they told me that I can get it with no interest, but me and you got to go in there together. And I just looked at him. How is that going to benefit me? (laughs) But the Lord changed my mind. He did. So me and my husband walked in there, and he got his Kubota. He got that Kubota, and he didn't need three lawnmowers. He only needed one, y'all. But what am I saying? He wasn't trying to covet what nobody had. He worked hard for what he did have. And y'all know what was funny? When my husband got that lawnmower, do you know what somebody had the audacity to tell my husband? That was the church lawnmower. The church bought that lawnmower. See how people look? ignorant but we didn't let that bother us he just kept cutting his grass so what I'm saying he didn't he wasn't greedy for gain he did what he had to do even though they kept breaking down and breaking down and breaking down just because he saw people with that lawnmower he didn't go out there until it was time for him to get the lawnmower you don't just get something because you see somebody else with it you don't know what they went through to get what they had you don't know how long they waited until god said the door is open for you to have that kabota because your heart is right because you ain't trying to get it because somebody else got it you don't do that because that will set your house out of order You never do that. That's covetness. Don't try to covet what somebody else has. Because let me tell you something. Once you get it, it still ain't going to be enough. You're going to want more. That's covetness. The more you have, the less you have. Come on, it's proven with money, y'all. I remember $5 was good. Now you put $5 in your hand, it's just like, whoa. You know? But when you thank God for that $5... God will begin to multiply because you're thankful for the little that you have. Now, years ago, I was in covetousness. I had 13 cars, y'all. And I would say, thank you, Lord, for blessing me with the car. Mm-mm. That was me going after those cars. Because when I got tired of one, it didn't have enough uh, stuff in there I can play with. I wanted another one. And I went and got them, one after another. But when I started getting into the word of God, 
And God started letting me know. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you go through something to get you right when it comes to the things of God. This is why God is teaching you this so you don't have to go through. Because God will send somebody to let you know just because somebody else have it don't mean that you have to have it. So we have to know how to use our money the right way. And the enemy, he'll have you in so much debt that you have good credit, but you still can't get nothing. Because your debt ratio is too high. So this what this comes from covetousness and greed. So we have to be careful about trying to have what everybody have. It may not be your time for you to get it. You don't know how they've been saving to get what they have. They have to seek God first to say, God, is this my time to have this? So when you see them with that, don't get mad because you don't know. You don't know what they went through. You don't know who they're helping. You don't know their situation. Um, as I told you before, me and my husband had about eight cars, nine, eight or nine cars. People signed over the titles to us. We could have kept the cars, but we didn't. What we did was saying, God, who do you want us to give these cars to? Whoever he told us to give them to, we signed the title. Jennifer was the notary. Here you go. God bless you. Why do we do that? Because we're not selfish. It's not about us. It's about us helping other people. Because if God put that in our hands, he put it in our hands so we can help somebody else. He trusted us with that, y'all. So if your leaders are doing that, we should be an example unto you. That when God puts something in your hand that you don't need, just because it's a car and it seemed like it's a big thing, but if you don't need it, say, God, who would you have me to give this car to? And a matter of fact, we didn't just give those cars any kind of way. If the cars needed tires, we put tires on the cars before we gave it to the people. We're not going to give them something with worn out tires. We did it with the spirit of excellency. Why? Because God said, I don't want you to get into covetousness. I don't want you to get into greed. I don't want you to line up cars and say, see how the Lord have prospered us. If you give in to us, you have the same thing we got. That's not how you do it. So we don't want to get caught up in covetousness because when you get caught up in covetousness, you go into idolatry. That means that you're putting other things before God and God say, have no other God before me. So to back it up again, Go with me to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. And in here, it's talking to um, Timothy, which is a pastor. And he was um, telling him about um, different things, but I'm just going to read verse 6. You can read um, 1 Timothy 6, verses 1 through 11. When you get time, I'm going to start at verse 6. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and remnant, let us be there with content. But they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet, after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Isn't that something? So the love of money is the root of evil. So when you see people coveting after money and always trying to work to get money, to get money, to get money, you are in covetousness. And if you're working to try to get this new dress, if you're working, now it's the difference if you're trying to help somebody. You say, but 
I'm going to be honest with you. If your heart is right and you're trying to help somebody, God ain't going to let you overwork yourself in doing it. He's not because he will set it out there for you where it won't be no struggle. The blessings of the Lord makes you rich and it adds no sorrow to it. Let me give you the last scripture on that. Hebrews 12, 5. And it says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, wait a minute, that's not the one I want, but I guess I'm going back there. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. I'm going to take it back there because tonight God is bringing chastisement in the body of Christ. He's bringing it because he's letting you know what's out there and he's telling you what you should not be in. So if you are in covetousness and you know that you're in covetousness, you're going to have to let go of it. Why? Because if you don't let go of that, you're going to end up with idolatry. Go with me to Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Isn't that something? Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What is God saying? You shouldn't be in covetousness. Your lifestyle, your conversation should not be in covetousness. Why? Because God is always there for you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. So everything that you need, God has already provided it. So you should be content with what you have. And some of us, we have clothes, we have shelter, we have shoes, we have food. And guess what some of us say? I want to go to the steakhouse. I'm tired of eating what I have. Everybody else get to go out to eat on Sundays. I don't get to go out to eat on Sundays. And that's not right. I should be able to go out and eat too, just like everybody else. You need to go work two jobs. If you need to work three, work three. Because you need to take me, wine me, and dine me sometime. Pastor Amanda's husband take her out all the time. Maybe if you quit giving them your money, we can go somewhere too. Covetness. Isn't that something? Greed. Because we're always looking at what everybody else have and think that's what we're supposed to have. But you don't know what's behind what they have. So search your heart and ask God, God, am I coveting something that somebody else have? God, am I trying to get because somebody else got? God, if that's me, deal with me. God, I only want what you want me to have at this time. God, it's not about me. It's all about you. You got to break the power of covetousness in your life. You got to be content with what you have. Because if you got everything that you need, why do you need more? You should be satisfied. The reason why some of us are not satisfied is because we don't know who we are. We are complete in him. We have everything in him. Anytime you sit home and you're trying to think of what you can go buy or what you can go do, then you're not content. And that means you're not content in him. So you need to go back and search yourself. Let's look at one more. Let's look at idolatry. Idolatry is anything that comes between God and the believer becomes an idol. That's just like you going after something so hard. It's a funny thing, y'all. People say they don't have no money. But when it's something that they want and they're coveting that thing, some money come from somewhere. 
People will sit there and say, I don't have nothing to give nobody. If I had it to give them, Lord knows I would give it to them. The Lord know my heart. And soon as something come up that you want, you done sat down and figured to the penny how you can purchase that bag and them pair of shoes. Well, I get paid every week and... You know, I do go out to eat on the job, and that's about $6 a day. If I time that by the week, by the end of the month, I can have that bag. So you go to church, and somebody say, this is what we want to do in the house of God. You know what we do? You already said you ain't got it. You ain't thought about giving up nothing. Can somebody answer that question for me and tell me what that is? Selfishness. And it's leading into covetousness. You ain't thinking about nobody but yourself. Because when you got the love of God in your heart, even though you was trying to figure out a way to get you a pocketbook and nobody asked you for nothing, when you hit the house of God, you'll say, you know what? The same way I figured out for that pocketbook, I can give that money to them. I can get them that $6 every week until I meet that goal. Oh, God help you, didn't you? Why Christian folks don't think like that? You know why they don't think like that? Because their heart ain't right. And you have to ask God to search your heart and say, God, why I don't want to give this to the body of Christ? I give it to everybody else when I want a tea. I go in the bottom of my pocketbook and look for change to go get it to Mickey D's. Come on, we look for money when we want something. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm a living witness. I done been there, y'all. You will look for money and you will find it when you want to do something. How many, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, have planned for a trip? And you got the cost of the trip, and you know when you're going on the trip, and you say, this is what it's going to take for us to take the trip. How many plan for a trip and put money aside for a trip until you meet your goal? Do we not? Nobody want to talk to me tonight. Do we not? But when it comes to the church, <laughs> it don't have to be this church. It can be any church. And they're doing something in the church. How many people done made up their mind, I ain't taking nothing out of my budget for what you got to do. Then when that day come for everybody to come in with what they have, I didn't have it. You already made up your mind when the announcement was made. Why is it so hard when it comes to the kingdom? But it ain't hard when it comes to the world. It's because we make it that way. That's not the way that God has set it up. When we go by what the word of God tell us to do, our heart begin to change. But when you begin to idolize things above God, then that's who you're serving. Material things, husband, wife, cat, dog, anything that you put ahead of God, your time can be an idol. Because if you take time to go to work every day, because you know you're getting paid. But you can't take the time to sit with God for five minutes. But you can get up and go to work for eight to 12 hours. Who's your God? 
When you can't put him before your job, who is your God? That is idolatry. God said, have no other God before me. And then we make excuses of why we couldn't do what we need to do for God. But, oh, God will understand. God still loves me. But you are going into sin that Jesus already dealt with because you chose this over God. And the more you keep choosing this over God, that's whom you're serving. And you're getting relaxed in it. And you're saying it's okay. Then you get before God and you rush to have devotion and act like you gave God something. Can't hear what he's saying. Oh, I, I forgot. I got, I, I got to go clean up this kid. Oh, I forgot. I got to go wash the car. Oh, I forgot. I got to go. Mo- and you ain't even sat there two minutes. Because that's who your God is. You rushing out to your God, the one that you're spending more time with. But you cannot, when you just rest your head to pray, your head is like a merry-go-round. Because all them gods that you put before gods is calling you to them. Every God, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of them in your head right now. They calling you because that's who you put before God. The things that call you the most is your God because you can't sit still. You can't even pray to God for everything else being on your mind. Who are you giving most of your time to? That's who your idol is. So he's telling you, you don't even hang around a person that's in idolatry. You don't keep, you know why? I guarantee you, if you hung around a person that don't take time with God, you're going to be, become that person. Because the more you hang around them, you're getting out of the way you were with God. Because they always say, come on, let's go here. Come on, let's go there. Let's go to the mall. Girl, did you hear about this place? Let's go there. Or they're trying to pull you out of a place that you're in. And if you keep going and going and going, that's your God. That's who you idolizing. That's who you putting to the forefront. When you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that you do? And you find out that's what you've been doing all day. That's your God. Because that's who you run into. And he said, have no other God before me. Look at Matthew 6, 24. It says, no man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. And we determined that covetousness is idolatry. That's in um, Colossians 3, 5 and Ephesians 5, 5. So whatever we're doing that's being put before God, that's who we're serving. That's who our God is. That's idolatry. And y'all know in the Old Testament, this is why God told them when they come into the promised land. He said he had, they had to tear down these altars and all of this stuff that was in there because they would end up turning to those things or turning to those other gods. And then they would leave God out of the picture and said, don't even be marrying these women that are not in covenant, covenant with us. And when they did that, they turned the men away from God. And that's what God said he do not want us to do. So whatever's in your life that you put in first, and you're doing this on a daily basis, that is idolatry. And those are the things that should not be in the body of Christ. I'm going to do one more. Railer. A railer. A railer is one who scoffs, insults, criticizes, or reproaches with abusive language, 
one who's against everything, speaks evil of leaders and brothers, impossible to get along with. A railer, one who scoffs, insults, criticizes, or reproaches with abusive language, one who's against everything, speaks evil of leaders and brothers, impossible to get along with. Go to 1 Peter 3, 9. And it says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but counterwise blessings, knowing that ye are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Railing means insult for insult. So if somebody come to you and they're insulting you, you don't come back and you insult them because that's not who you are in the body of Christ. So this is why he said, bless those who curse you, love those who hate you. So we as Christians do not supposed to be a railer. And you don't supposed to keep company with the railer. You don't supposed to keep company with someone who has all this bad language in their mouth. One who scoffs and ridicules and insults other people. You don't supposed to be keeping company with them. Because when you're keeping company with them, that's how people began to see you. So we supposed to do what the word of God tell us to do. When we don't know these terms, some of us can already be a part of it and not even recognize it. This is why we have to be taught these things in the body of Christ. So look at um, Mark fifteen twenty nine. Y'all remember Jesus died for us, right? He paid the price for us. But look at what Jesus went through when he paid the price for us. When we look at a person that's... Um, railing another person mark 15 29 says and they passed by railed on him wagging their heads and saying ah thou that destroyest the temple and build it in three days save thyself and come down from the cross you see how they was railing on him they were insulting him they were wagging their heads they were ridiculing him what were they doing they were making him look bad that's what a railer do a railer would bring insults a railer would bring, bring abusive language. They would make people look bad, actually, so they can look good, thinking that that person is something that they're not. So that's what they did with Jesus. They wagged their, their heads. See, people will get around you, and you may be saying something, and that person can be looking at you, making people think, that's ridiculous. Who would say something like that? Who would do that? Just pouncing on that person in public, in the church. The person says something, they come back at them. They say something else, they come back at them. They're always saying something bad. It's never good in their mouths. That's a railer. We shouldn't have that in the body of Christ. We shouldn't have nobody teaching always pouncing on people, always talking bad about people, not lifting them up in love. That's a railer. If you're around somebody and all they do is down somebody all the time, they this and they that, they're no good. Their family ain't no good. They'll never be no good. You need to part company. But before you part company, you need to tell them what the word of God says. That's a railer. You don't even want that type of language in your house. So that's what a railer do. They don't want to shut up. They don't want to be quiet. So if you're around that, you need to get from around that. And they speak evil of leaders and brothers. They always got something bad to say about what a leader is um, not doing or what they should be doing. So if you're hearing a person speaking about another leader badly, wrongly, always railing on them, you need to set them in their place. You need to put them in their place and tell them what the word says. That is a railer. 
and the word of God tell you not to keep company with them. Go to Colossians 3.8. In Colossians 3.8, it goes on to say, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. That's what a railer does. A railer blasphemes, a railer have anger, wrath, malice, and have filthy communication. When you hear all that with the person that say they're saved, and you around that person, that is a railer. And you need to separate yourself from that person. Go with me to this scripture, um, 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25, verses 9 through verse 10. And this is talking about David and the ball. And y'all know David was uh, protecting the ball, you know, protecting the sheep and everything. And so David sent his men to him for him to help them and feed them. And this is what Nabal had said in verse 9 and 10. And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jess? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. He was railing on David. He was saying that David broke away from his master. So he was talking against David, railing on David. And David was helping Nabal when um, things were uh, going on around him with the sheep. But he began to rail on him. He began to speak insults at David. So David was going to kill him. (laughs) But thank God that Nabal's wife um, end up stopping David from bloodshed. But that's what a railer do. He end up insulting David, and actually David was helping him and helping um, spare his sheep, but he would not share anything with David. He was speaking evil against David. So search yourself. We went over covetousness, idolatry, and a railer. Go back and search yourself and say, God, is that me? And sometimes we don't even know it's us because we don't go into the word of God and search these words out. We think we okay, but when you walk up on a a person that's spiritual and that's in the word of God, they know who you are. And if they know who you are, then they know what you don't supposed to be representing. And if you're representing any of these things, your brother and sister supposed to come to you and pull you aside and tell you what the word of God is saying. And if you still are not hearing your brother and sister and you still carrying on foolishly in the body of Christ and you're not willing to turn from that, you can be dismissed. You can be turned over. All of this stuff in the word is not mentioned just to be mentioned, y'all. It is for us as believers to go by. It's supposed to be discipline in the house of God. You cannot come in God's house and treat it any kind of way. You are the temple of God, and everywhere we go, he's supposed to be glorified. The world know what a railer is. The world know what covetousness is. The world know what idolatry is. The world know what greed and fornication is. And when we as Christians are doing what they do, they don't want to come serve God because, hey, they're doing what we're doing. And it's not lining up with what the word of God is saying. So meditate on these things. And I guarantee y'all, we won't, um, we'll watch our mouths from now on. We'll watch what we say, 
We'll watch who we keep. Let me tell you something. If, remember he said that if you're in the world with them, if you're working with them, you know you're going to face these things because you're working with them, but you don't become like them. You don't like what they like. Hello, somebody? You don't like what they like. You're supposed to be having them come to the kingdom of light. You don't supposed to be going to the kingdom of darkness. You don't supposed to be doing what they do. You're supposed to be a light. I remember I worked with a lot of people that did not know Jesus. But what I did when I came to work, I came to work. And what I did to keep, now before y'all, before I knew all this stuff, I was in everybody's business and I was saved. I was sitting with them, talking with them, laughing with them, cutting the food with them. And one day when I was sitting to the table with them and we got ready to eat lunch, they looked at this person and they began to scoff this person, turn up their nose. And you know how a person uh, look at somebody and say, no, 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 no. And then they put their head down, start giggling. I was in the midst of that. But my heart grew so heavy sitting there. I had to excuse myself and leave. From that day, I quit eating lunch with them. And I only had 30 minutes for lunch, left the hospital, went somewhere else to eat with another Christian woman. I said, I refuse to sit with people that is going to look at people the wrong way. See, you're supposed to bring change. You don't supposed to do what they're doing. You don't supposed to want what they want. You supposed to tell them what the word of God says. And then when I couldn't go out to lunch, I would put teachings on. And I would sit at my desk and do my work with teachings. And y'all, when I did that, I realized I was at my desk just humming about Jesus. This girl told me. She said, look like you were shut up over there. I said, who was that talking? I said, Man, no, it ain't my headphones. She said, nobody don't want to hear all that. I said, the devil done rose up up in here. I said, you know what? I'm so sorry. I said, I'm so sorry. I'll watch it. Because see, in the workplace, you don't supposed to be going to try to change, you know, that's you in your workplace. But this girl, through me being back there, when I got demoted, y'all, the very girl that told me to shut up, when God showed me how to humble myself and carry myself, she come up to me. And laid everything out. I told her, I said, I'm sorry if I've done anything wrong to you. She said, no. She said, I need to tell you this. They're, they said that nobody's going to be able to help you, not even Jennifer. She humbled herself. What am I telling you? You're supposed to bring change when you're in your workplace. You don't supposed to desire what other people desire because they're of the world. Hot and cold, it don't mix. You either be hot or you be cold. You can't be lukewarm. He will spool you out. So you're supposed to make a difference, y'all. And everything that I'm bringing out, don't turn from it. Go back to it and say, God, open up my heart. Is that me, God? Is she talking to me? And I guarantee you things will pop up in your life where you were around them, where you did say some abusive things that you should not have said. And that's when we open up our heart and say, God, forgive me. I was wrong for what I said. Amen. And we'll go over some more next week. But that's all, folks. Some people probably say that's enough. (laughs) Amen. Amen.
Do anybody have anything to say on the three I went over that has helped you on tonight? From what you heard. Jennifer? I know one thing, like on covet, covetness, being covetous, like you said, it's easy to fall into, and especially if you're in an atmosphere, it's like at work, and there's, you know, every, oh, we all like pocketbooks, and oh, look at that pocketbook, and you, your flesh just draws you that way, but then you look at like the rich man, and, and that had the big barns, and when you think of it from that standpoint, oh, I want this, I want this, but the more you have, the more it takes to keep it up, like the cars, okay? Well, you might have 10 cars, but you got 10 insurance policies you got to pay for, and you got to keep the oil changed on 10 cars, and you got to have, I mean, it just, it, it just snowballs. And so it gets to be, from the outside, it might look real good, but it gets to be a burden on you, and then you're working all the more to keep up what you got because you don't want to look bad to let something go or you're attached to something you don't want to let it go. And um, the thing about the railing, and, and I'm sure we've all been there. I mean, you know, it, that's another thing. You, you get in the habit of doing something sometimes, and you don't even see yourself. But I know to be around that, it's miserable. It is miserable when you're around somebody that does that all the time. And I don't want to be the kind of person that they look at you and think, oh, God, here's, you know, I don't want to be around that. Amen. So I thank God for our teaching. Pastor, I'm going to say something about me um, covering this. Um, I've, I've never been a person of covering this. Um, God has showed me patience in my life. Um, and as the, to be able to step away from where you started from to separate yourself, I found myself doing that. But I didn't have the word to go with it. Now tonight, I finally, he quenches your thirst he, um, when you seek after righteousness. And tonight, um, I'm just sitting there. I said, Lord, I thank you for this because I want to read this. I want to I meditate on this because having, having he showed me this, but I never had word to back, back it up. And now God is showing me, uh, giving me word to go with it. But as you go out into where you started from and, and the, the people that you was around and that you separate yourself from, you can hear them sometime come to you and they'll start talking about what they have. Or, and that right there, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to listen to you, but this is not where my heart's at. And now tonight, I'm getting to hear the word that goes behind it. Now it's enlightened. And, and what happens is you'll see God raise you up higher. And, and that, that's stuff that you don't want to be around. So now I just thank God for, for the teaching because I'm going to tell you, Miracle Temple, as the lady said um, Sunday, we are blessed. Let's don't take this for granted because we are in a dying world. And you see it. We all see it. But are we going to um, step up with boldness and... and um, and is it God that we fear? Are we going to speak life 
uh, uh, around us in the word of God and, and seeking after it. Tonight, I'm going to tell you I've been blessed because I've truly, um, it's good to have the word of God that back you up and, and to be bold in it and, and not be ashamed to say, okay, I don't want to be around this, this, and this. So are we going to stand or are we going to uh, take it for granted of the teaching that we're getting? I'm going to tell you something. It's just mm-mm good to me. Amen. Can we have the deacons to come up? Is there anybody else? Okay, we're going to ask the deacons to come up for the offering, and we're going to go from there. And, Renee, can I see you before you leave? <laughs> 